Aha. You can read it off of your church app if you don't want to read it off of the main screen. Stand to your feet. Let's do it. Oh, you guys didn't know? Oh, I'm sorry. It's under resources. Wait, hold on. Why can't I? Bam, you got it? Yeah, the, uh, the church declaration um, is on under resources. Um, and I can't find access mine. But, um, okay, you ready? Yeah. Let's do it. Pastor Daryl usually does it, but I'm going to do it. Today I can do this thing. I'm trying to, like, read it here so that I can really see what I'm doing. Give me one minute. Church declaration. Oh, it's right there in my face. Okay, ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Church declaration. This is my Bible. My Bible is the word of God. The word of God is Jesus Christ. It is my weapon because it is infallible. This word slays sickness. This word defeats demons. This word eradicates hidden faults deliberate sin, transgressions, and abomination. My Bible is the ultimate truth. This truth invades the darkness and exposes weaknesses, lies, cowardice, and doubt. My Bible injects hope, love, and trust into my insecurities, demanding that I raise my level of expectation. It assures me that the Lord guarantees that I will triumph over all the forces in this world arrayed against me because he is a God of the angel armies. Let's say it proud. I conquer. I see results. I overcome because of my Bible. Amen. I love that. You get charged up. All right. Let's do it. So on there are five steps to building the brand. Um, uh, we are on the third step. We're right in the middle. And the third step is? Say it louder. The third step is worship, 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 worship. So um, the, we have, it's been interesting because ever since we, we started the worship one, we've kind of been worshiping. We, we had a Sunday where we didn't have a message. So um, this is what the Lord will speak to us this morning and look at um, somebody and say, what does worship look like? Okay. What does worship look like? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, speak, 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 Lord. Father, have your way in this room. Touch every person, every family, Lord. We thank you, Father, for us being together, Lord. We cover those that are absent, Lord. Father, you know, Lord, cover Dave while he's at work. Cover Kenny while he's on the world road. We lift up Byron. We lift up Marilyn. We lift up the Jarmone family, Lord. We lift up anyone that is not with us on this morning. But, Father, for those that are here that are eating from your table at this moment, God, we thank you, Father, for our, our, our visitors, Lord. We thank you that you will speak to them. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power and we thank you for your teaching because it infuses itself into our life. So speak Holy Spirit now in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. What does worship look like? So um, we uh, we have been um, like I said, we have we have set the stage with prayer. We've set the stage with love. But with worship, I, I, I just felt like I needed to do this message, what does worship look like, so that we can have an understanding that it's not a 30-minute time in church where we sing. Because we have kind of, for some reason, bought into this understanding that worship is just about the time frame that you send singing. And sometimes you like the songs, and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you know the words, and sometimes you know. But it's, it's, it's so much more than that. So initially, worship, is the, the very basics of worship is worship 
worship are, worship is a feelings or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. Now for us, who do we serve? Who do we believe in? Who do we worship? We worship the Lord Jesus Christ and we worship him as God, right? Is everybody with me? We worship him as God. We believe that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus, 100% humanity. Christ, 100% divinity. And we believe that he is God. So in John chapter 1, he said that he wrapped himself up in flesh and dwelt among us. A lot of you old church used to say, and he said, prepare me a body, right? And so we know that he came and he dwelt among us, all ways tempted, but without sin, okay? And now we wait for his return. So when we, and you can pull up the build the brand on the app so you can rehearse that, that how we closed out 2014. But if you go back and you look at how we closed out the year and building the brand, we said we have to uphold the brand of Christianity. And the five principles, I have three fingers, but I'll do five. But the five principles, the five standards of Christianity are the birth, the life, the resurrection, the, uh, the death, and the second, I mean, the death, the resurrection, and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Let's do that again. Let me do five. Birth, life, death, resurrection, second coming of Jesus Christ. He was born of a virgin, was he not? He lived a sin-free life, okay? And then what after that? He died on Calvary. He died a humiliating death, the death of a criminal on a cross, but the cross couldn't hold him down. Death couldn't hold him. He ripped our sin to pieces, and on the third day, he rose, what? Again, conquering death, hell, and grave. He went and visited people to remind them that it is in fact me. He showed up his, his nail-scarred hands and said, touch them, look at my side, put your hand on the wound so that people can make sure that it was really him. And that is what he does for you as a side note, okay? Listen, listen, listen. That is what he does for you. He leaves evidence. He leaves scars on you so that you can, people can look at you and say, it can't be you. You didn't change like that. You didn't transform like that. And you have to say, no, it really is me. So I have scars. There's proof that it's me, but God has done such a, re a, a resurrecting work in my life. And so that is why he made sure and he ate fish with them and he went back and dwelled with them. And then he said, but I have have to leave. If I don't go, you won't have the comforter. Amen. And so this is the reigning hour of the Holy Spirit. This is the, the time period in, 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 in uh, the dispensation of, 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 of Christianity and of our life where the Holy Spirit is here among us. So the Lord said this, he said, of all sins, you can be forgiven except for one except for one. If you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you cannot be forgiven because he left him as a gift for us to instruct us, to counsel. He said he is your advocate. He is the spirit of truth. He is the Holy One sent from me. And so he is the part of the Trinity, okay? We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is here among us. And he said, I will return, but we, until I return, the Holy Spirit will walk with you. So you can blaspheme any. I wouldn't necessarily tell you to run out and, and curse God and curse the Lord and curse his blood or curse communion or anything like that. But if you do, there's redemption. But he said, not, 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 if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And, it, and it's interesting because there are always should be rules. Um, just as a side note, keep that in mind. There should always be rules. He told Adam and Eve, you can have anything you want in the garden but this tree, okay? And so God teaches us discipline by saying, I will give you anything you want, but this right here, maintain your discipline over here, okay? So our discipline with sin is don't blaspheme the Holy 
Holy Spirit. Our, Adam and Eve's discipline was what? Don't eat the tree from the knowledge of good and evil. What God was trying to say is you cannot contain the intensity of evil. You can't contain that, that type of, 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 of knowledge. And so what is happening now is that when we get upset, when we get angry and evil comes upon us, it rips our life to shreds, okay? And then what he has done as a result of our sin, he said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. You can't contain you. When somebody does you wrong and you want to get them back, you used to have to go to such a dark place because evil will suck you in and pull you in. And so you will want to go to a dark, dark, wicked place. And God said, that's reserved for me. Let me worry about your enemies. And matter of fact, if they fall into my hands, I need you now to pray for your enemies, okay? Because it's that deep when you fall into the hands of an angry God. So God is like, turn them over to me. Let me deal with it. I know how how to get them way more than you do, okay? Because we have our idea, but it's just like kids. You know, some little kids you can spank, some little kids, if you take away their favorite toy, done. Do you hear me? Done. So God knows each of us. He knows how he created us, so he knows how to get our attention, okay? So back to worship. Worship does this. Let's go over these points really quick. Worship transcends singing for 30 minutes at a church. That's what this whole message is about. Worship is not about a song. Worship requires time spent in the word of God. Worship, you can put those, oh, oh, um, is Nicole, oh she is there. I couldn't see her first. Um, worship stems from God encounters, those times when you have moments with God, power encounters with God. Worship is honoring the Lord with what we have, okay? Whether that's our body, whether that's our money, whether that's our time, all of those things come together. Worship is abandonment with no shame. And so, um, uh, you know, when you look at worship stems from God encounters, when you, I, you know, I, 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 I teach on, um, on mentoring. I've been doing mentoring and discipling for years. And so one of the nine types of mentoring is um, divine contact moments, okay? Divine contact moments. A divine contact moment is when somebody mentors you, the it could be the quickest five-minute window, but what they do in that moment with them shifts your whole existence, okay? So an example is um, you're out somewhere and you see somebody and they say one sentence to you, or you meet somebody you'll never see again and they say they give you a word, or they're speaking somewhere and you hear them and you go, whoa, and it just blows your mind and you start to live on that principle. That is a type of mentoring because you take that moment and you live and it's called a divine contact. So God encounters are that type of thing where it's a divine contact moment. When Pastor Darrell was just my friend um, your mom called me one time on the phone and we have been friends for years and so my Mary called me on the phone and I was in, um, actually I was in North Hollywood getting my car worked on and so the guy was like, oh, it's going to be three hours. So I was just walking down, um, uh, um, what is that street? I mean, right over there, I could see it, Lancashire, I think it was. And I was just talking to his mom on the phone because she was nice, and we would just talk and chat it up. And so we were just talking, and she was like, Daryl is such a good boyfriend for you. I was like, okay, really? Look, it's not that kind of party. I just can't know. He's not. He's not. She said, okay, y'all don't know. I already know what God showed me. I said, mom, look, it's not like that at all. I love you, but can we please not say, keep saying that he's my boyfriend? Because no. And so she's just talking, and I'm just like ignoring her, and she's just like, look, let me tell you what God showed me. And so I'm like basically on the phone, like, you know, holding it away from my ear, because you know how your mom is. And I was just like, okay, really? Like, that is not my boyfriend. So I'm walking down Lancashire, and as I'm walking, I'm talking to her and kind of not talking to her. 
her. And so this crazy man is coming to me and he's like, he's walking down the street and he's like a bag man. I mean, his clothes were all ripped and he was just dirty and smelly and his hair was matted and he was just talking to himself and he was yelling and screaming and he was just having a fit. So then I'm kind of like, okay, wait, wait, you may want to hold on because it was just the two of us on the, on like a, a sidewalk, but it wasn't a lot of room. So I was like, should I walk past him? You know, cause he was like gone. I mean, he was, you know, really, really, it wasn't like he was just into his own thing. He was having like a fit of rage. And so I'm kind of walking and she's just like, and the Lord told me that it's, you're supposed to be with him and blah, 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 blah. And so I get right up on the man. Cause I just said, I'm gonna just go by him real quick. And I'm, so I just really didn't know what to do, but it was not that much distance. So I was like, I'm gonna just walk past this man. And so I'm going and then right when I get past him, he stands up completely straight, completely coherent. And he said, it's all up to God now. It's all up to God. And stared at me for a long time, then turned around and ran right back to acting crazy and yelling and screaming and doing his thing. And she's on the phone going, this is Daryl. I'm telling you what God said. And I'm like, okay, wait, I need a moment. This is weird. What just happened? And he said it and he looked me in my eye. And he said, it's all, and that is an, like a God encounter moment where you're surrendered to God and God's like, okay, you're not hearing me. I'm trying to tell you something. I can use anybody, okay, anybody. One prophet in the Bible, he used his donkey and the donkey was like, look, where are we going? I ain't going over there. And this thing, he's like having a whole full conversation. And so I'm like, if you use a donkey, I guess you can use this man. Because he, his whole body went erect. And he talked to me like very stately. It's all up to God now. It's all up to God. So God can do anything. But worship encounter, when you live worship, your life has those moments where anything can happen. And that is why worship is more than just 30 minutes at church once a week. Worship is not, and it's not like, oh, I just love this car. So I'm going to listen to this song in the car every Sunday. And every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, before I go to work, and God will be with me. It's deeper than that. It is a lifestyle. So we know we usually cannot say worship without praise. Now, praise, and if, and if I lose time, I'm going to stop, and we'll just we'll pick this up later. Praise and worship are two different things, which is why we say praise and worship. So praise, and I've said it to you before, thanking him for what he's done, okay? Thanking him for what he's done. Praise is action-based. So if God does something for you, if he's done something, if he got you through a tough moment or anything like that, then you praise him and you tell people, you're not going to believe what God did for me. God just did this the most amazing thing. I can't believe it, blah, 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 blah. I mean, you know, you can go, all of us right now can think of moments when God just stepped in and did something really, really amazing. So it's action-based, which is okay. It doesn't mean that you can't praise, but that's what it is. So what the technical term for it is declarative. Okay? Declarative. Praise is declarative. So you declare what God has done. Declarative. De declarative. Now, worship is different. Worship is when you purely thank him for who he is. Doesn't matter. It's not based on he did anything. But when you recognize who he is, and that is why when you look in the word, there are so many different names for God because there's so many different facets to his, his personality and to his, and, his, and his character. So in the Hebrew language, they're more way more expressive than English. And so the Hebrew said, oh, he's Jehovah Nisi when he does this. He's Jehovah Shalom when he gives me peace. He's Jehovah Sitkanu over here. He's Jehovah Adonai. So if you ever hear us in worship, when the more you get to know God, you'll hear us call out his different names. He's Adonai. He's a bright morning star. He's a first and the last. He's a wonderful counselor. He's the great I am. He, so you go through all of this. So I thank him for who he is. So while you're waiting for the opportunity to praise him for what he's done, you worship him for who he is. Because when you start to go through the checklist of who God is, at the end of the day, you go, oh, well, then this little situation over here is going to be real easy because it's you understand his character. You understand who he is. Now, Jehovah Jireh, I learned this when I was in Bible school and it just messed me up. I was like, am I the only one that 
feeling excited about this? Jehovah Jireh, we've all translated that to be uh, God provides. Okay, so we have Jehovah Jireh, God provides, and, the, and our professor said this. He said, that's not really what it means. What it means is God sees and looks on you, but this is the thing. Because God sees you and looks at you, when he looks at you, he sees the need, and when he sees the need, he meets the need, so we've just shortened it to God as my provider. But technically, it's so much more than that, but we just limited, we just, real quick, God is my provider. Jehovah Jireh, God is my provider. Yes, because when he looks at you and he studies your life and he sees what you're doing, he watches you and he goes, you know what, I got to do something for this, my daughter, I got to do this for my son. And so worship is descriptive. It's descriptive. It's who God is. It's understanding who it is. So sometimes it's declarative and sometimes it's descriptive. So go back and when you start to listen to certain worship and praise songs, go back and listen and say, hmm, are they declaring here or are they describing here? Or is it just a prayer song, a, a prayer? Because some songs are just really a prayer. They're, they're more prayer driven than they're not. They're not declaring anything that he's done. They're not describing who he is, but it's a prayer and that's okay. It's okay to have, um, well, you know, y'all know my song because Josh started messing with me today, playing a little bit, pressure, pressure, pressure. And he said, what, Lord, take my life. What is it? Uh, take my life. Uh, I can't think of the words right now. But he released from me the pressure. That's a prayer. That's a song of prayer and thanksgiving. That is a prayer where you're saying, Lord, this is what I need you to do. And it's okay to sing songs of prayer, song of praise, and song of worship. Now, this is the thing. Work, personal worship and corporate worship, and, and I wanna, I'm taking out my time to describe this so that when you hear us say these terms, you understand where I'm going, but it, it, it will relate to you personally in just a second, okay? So just stick with me. I got 10 more minutes. Corporate worship is when the body comes together, okay? When we're all here together, this is corporate worship, and we all sing together, we all pray together, we all come together, and we commune as a church family, so it's corporate, meaning we're all together. Personal worship is that private moment in your personal life where it's just you and God. So what we always say is carve out a place in your house, okay? Carve out a place in your house where you worship God, where you pray, and you understand that when I go to that area in my house, this is where I go meet God. So if you if you saw the the movie War Room, she went and took all her clothes out because she probably had five closets the way the house looked. So she had the room to do that. So she took out all her clothes and she put her prayer requests on God. You may not have an opera place where you can take a big space like that, but the co the concept of the closet is going somewhere where you shut out everything. It could be your bathroom. It could be a little cubby hole in your house. It could be outside in your backyard. It can be anywhere. But carve out a place where you understand. When I step into this zone, God meets me here. Okay, this is where God is. So we take our private time to do everything. Why not take out that time to have a personal divine encounter with the almighty God? So when you start to check off who he is, all the things that, he, that the, the word says he is, he understands the beginning and the end. So when you're in the middle of a situation, you have to remind yourself and describe who he is. Hmm. Well, you say you're the beginning and the end. So I'm in the middle of this. I feel consumed by this, but you already know the end of this, okay? And so I love it because when the Bible, King Hezekiah was sick and the prophet came and told him, you're going to die. You're sick. You're going to die. This is, this is, this whole situation is going to take out your life. So Hezekiah knew that God was a healer, Jehovah Rapha, my healer. So Hezekiah went and prayed and asked God for more years on his life. And God shifted his life in his personal time. God shifted it. And the Bible Bible says he lived 15 more years because 
because he asked God in his private time. And he said, Lord, I know this is what the prophet said, but if there's any way you can do this for me, if you, any way you can have mercy, and God blessed him and gave him more time. So when you know who he is, you step and you look at yourself in the middle of a dilemma and you say, you know what, but I know God. I know they said I'm going to jail. I know they said that if I don't pay this money, they're going to come take everything I own. I know they said this thing, and I know they said I'm sick, and I know they said this, but you hold that real quick. I'm going to go to personal time and talk to God, and then I'm going to take it one step further. I'm going to go corporately and tell others who can come together with me and pray. And by the time I make those changes, then I stand before God and I say, Lord, how are you going to do? Then you have that God encounter, and then God says, I don't care what they say. I know the end result, and he will do this. The Bible says he will tell you the secrets, okay? So the secrets of the Lord are with those who fear him. So if you need to know the outcome, go to the king. Go see the master. Go see him. Go talk to him in your personal time and then say, you know what? I'm going to go get some backup. Now I'm going to go and do corporate and everybody's going to come with you. Why do you think we harass you and ask you, put your prayer request on the prayer wall? You don't have to put all your personal business up there, but you can send us a personal email. But if it's a general prayer, get people to come and agree with you in prayer and put it up there. Like Adam said, my daughter, my baby is about to have surgery. Can you pray for her? And so this is the thing. When we put it in the atmosphere and corporately everybody comes together this is God's mouth one math one puts a thousand demonic forces to flight but two look at this two put what ten thousand demonic forces to flight so imagine what happens when we come together corporately and everybody walks in with the intention to meet the king, with the intention to meet God, with the intention to meet the master. And then when we're outside the doors, if we live a life of worship, then we come together and we do the act of worship. Then we will begin to see the shift and the change. And so we will see like, you know what? This is what they say is going to happen. God is like, I can change that. Amen. I can change it. I can change it and I will change it. Now, what I will also do is give you some lessons in it, okay? So it may not shift the day you want it to. I was talking to somebody last night. She was like, I'm in ministry, and I was at this conference, and she said, um, and by the way, Stephanie, this one right here, hung with me yesterday for hours. She's like, oh, I have four hours on my meter. I'm good. And at the fourth hour, she's like, I'm going to go get my car. I'll be back. But she just really, she was my three yesterday, and I thank her for that. But at this, this conference, this, this, this is, uh, I forgot the train of thought. What was that? What happened yesterday? I was just saying it. This is what happens when you turn 29. What did I say? I, that's all I said? Ah, oh, it left. That's what happens when you hit this. Okay, it just left. It went. Okay, so back to, okay, so let's go. Man, I was going to tell you something really good, too. Okay, let's read this scripture. This, I mean, I wasn't going to tell you anybody's business, but it was going to be, you know. Matthew 15. Let me give you these two scriptures. Um, oh, there she is. Right there, little pookie, mookie, nookie, nookie. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Matthew, is it just me or am I, is it hot? Is it just because of light? Okay, can please, it went off? Okay, because I am dying up here. I know. Yeah, but it was before I said Stephanie stayed with me. Okay. Hmm? Ah, 
thank you. That's what it was. It was a conversation with Melanie. That's what it was. Thank you. Okay, so the woman was, um, she was in ministry, and she was like, you know, I'm, I, I used to work in corporate and everything, and she said that, you know, working for God, I just don't know how consistent my money is. And I was like, girl, I live that thing. I'm real familiar with that. And so she was like, and I was about to give up, and I'm like, I'm going to pull out my resume, and I'm going to find a job. And she said, but I also told the Lord, Lord, if you want me to work for you, and if you want me to keep doing this ministry thing, then you have to provide for me. I said, so which is it going to be? Either you're going to stay in the ministry thing like he's been providing, or are you going to get up from that and say, you know what, never mind, you don't have to do it. I'm going to come over here, and I'm going to just blush off my resume and help you. So she was like, either I can fix my resume up and help God, or I can do what? I can stay over here and look for God's provision. And I said, well, let me tell you, because I've been doing this for 10, 15, 20 years, that when you're over here, God may purposely not help you before the first of the month, the fifth of the month, when everybody gives you all of their deadlines, don't pass, go, do not collect $200, pay me, or I'm else. You know, I said, God may wait beyond that just to show you he's God. Just to show you beyond man's time frame, this is what I'll do. This is how I'll meet your need. This is how I'm going to provide for you. I said, so don't get weary. Don't get leery over here. You have to remember that he is the alpha and the omega. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. And you have to remind yourself through descriptive and declarative praise, God, what can you do? One time I, when I was into working independent, somebody owed me $1,500. And then I was like, okay, it, you, it's been 45 days, 30 days, 60 days. And they were just like holding on to my $1,500. And so I was in my house. I lived in Altadena and I was going to church at Faithful Central in LA. And so the Lord said, um, when you get the $1,500, what are you going to do? I'm going to pay my tithes. And then after that, at the time I had a mortgage, after that, I'm going to pay my mortgage and I'm going to move this money from here and change this and do this, you know, stuff like that. So he said, let's go back to what you said you're going to do. I said, I'm going to pay my tithes. He said, well, if you want me to do it and if you believe I'm going to give you the money, pay your tithes. That was before push pay. That was before going online. That was before anything. So that meant leaving Pasadena at 3.30 p.m. and driving to the church trying to get there before 5 to pay my tithes. But I did it as a challenge to myself to say, God, I believe you. So I gave God $150 as the tithe and I went down there I said hey I'm bringing my tithe he goes okay a lot of people do that during the week and I paid it and as I was leaving when I got home I had a voicemail from the woman that owed me the $1,500 I've lied to you not she said Teresa I don't know what is going on I don't know why I haven't paid you it's like your invoice just always gets lost in the shuffle but I promise you can you just today I'm going to put a check in the mail it'll get to you within two days is that okay I said yep because in my mind I was like bam I already paid it I gave God, I put my faith out there to say, God, this is how much I trust you, that I'm going to pay it in advance because I believe that you're going to take care of me. And so you have to believe that, okay? I'm going way over time. So let's look at Matthew and um, one other scripture, and then we'll do a part two. I hope, is this making sense? Okay. So what does worship look like? Now, this is powerful, amplified version. Now, you guys know I used to love the NIV version. Then I love the New Living Translation. So you guys all got the pink girls on a mission Bibles and New Living Translation. So this week, I've moved on to the Amplified. So everything I read is Amplified now, okay? So it's like, you know, my fashion schedule. It's just like, oh, no, the seasons change. It's Amplified. So by this. Okay. Thank you, sir. So by this. Who's <gasps> Matthew 15, 6b, 9, uh, 6 through 9, and I'm going to read the second part of verse 6. So listen to this, listen to this, and remember I'm reading Amplified. If you're on your electronic Bibles, just click on Amplified. So by this you have invalidated the word of God, depriving it of force and authority and making it of no effect for the sake of your tradition, 
handed down by your elders. You hypocrites, play actors, pretenders. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship, for they teach as doctrines and precepts of men. Their teachers are merely human rules. So he's saying you come, you worship, you lift your hands, and you say the words to the song, but you, you, the person of you, your heart, your emotions, your mind, all of these things, they're not connecting with me. So God is saying, I don't want the words to a song. That's not what I'm asking you for. I'm asking for you. I'm asking for you. That is what worship looks like. So if you worship me, you got to give me you. I need your heart. That's like what Stephanie was saying when she said, you binding ourselves to the altar. Because in that day, they had a sacrifice and they would cut the animal up. And then what they would do is they would bind it to the altar and let it so it could really be there. Then they would light the fire and let, it burn, let the scent burn up to God. So God is saying, I want you. I want you to lay on the altar. I want you to say, God, take everything. I'm not keeping this little staff over here of myself over here like one guy when my mom was um in in, in the, the music business he was like yep I'm saved and and it, it was just a revolution hit the music industry and sir's dad my mom everybody got saved and God was moving and they were just they they shifted their music and they were writing uh, 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 gospel songs from their heart and they were just like you know just God was just moving in the industry through him so one of the guys he was a, bass, a, a drummer and he he was like I'm with it I'm with it God's got me I am saved to the waist Everything up above is God's, but down here is all mine. Anything under my belt is mine. But everything up, he said, I'm saved to the waist. And that was his saying for years until he got married. And he was like, I'm saved to the waist. And that is what God is like. I don't want you from the waist up. All of you, all of you, okay, all of you. I want all of that. I want all of you. You'll get it, like, later. Okay, so Matthew 4, 9, let's read this. <laughs> let's read this. Matthew 4, 9, this is what the enemy wants. All this I will give to you. This is when Jesus was on the 40-day fast. All of this, Satan is watching him, and he's like, don't you want some bread? Aren't you hungry? Don't you want some pizza? Don't you want something? All this I'll give to you if you bow down and do what? Worship me. So all the stuff that Satan could ask for, all he wanted was God's worship. And Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So if Satan will, if Satan will stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with God himself in the flesh and talk to him in the midst of his fasting, in the midst of his word, why wouldn't he do it for you? Why wouldn't he walk side by side with you and try to harass you and intimidate you and tempt you and get you to do something different? He does come up to you. This is how you know if it's Satan voice is Satan's voice or God's voice this is how you know Satan talks to you in the I voice God talks to you you what is that my sister-in-law is a teacher what is it when you say um, help me when you when um, what is the technical term what first person I was testing you you did great okay so Satan will talk to you in first person because he wants you to believe it's you don't, yeah, yeah, I know. I, sh I messed up. Yeah, I know. I should have done this. Man, that's not, uh. but see, what it is, is I'm feeling like, you know, I don't like when people do that to me. I'm going to go and tell them. That's right. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, what's the middle letter in sin? I. Satan talks to you in the I voice. So when you have those conversations, those mental conversations where you're putting yourself down, talking about your failures, remembering stuff, talking about how you're going to go out for you, that's Satan. When you, when it's you and God, you and God, and God is talking to you, God doesn't talk to you in the eye. 
God talks to you, he says you. You, da-da-da-da-da, you. Why does God have that authority? Because he created you. So he says, sir, you need to go and call that loan and you need to do this. Teresa, you need to finish that book. Stephanie, you need to understand that God is going to cover you. Rod, you he talks to you, you, because I cre he created you. He understands your makeup. He knows your design. And so he has conversations with you about you because he knows you. So Psalm 138, verse 8, it says that the Lord will perfect everything that concerns you. So he knows you're a mess. He knows this. He knows all the negative things about you, but he still says, I'm going to fix those things. So there's two conversations going on. Satan, all he wants from you is worship. He wants you to think that he's all you need. He wants you to say, yeah, I can do that myself. Don't let them talk to me like that. I know you're not going to do that. And I know I can protect me. I'm my God. Pastor Daryl said he was talking to this guy the other day. He was like, I'm my higher power. And, and Pastor Daryl said, let me get this straight. You're your own higher power. And he said, well, I mean, you know, I mean, okay, wait, let me fix it. I, I don't need a other higher power. I just, you know, I find the strength within myself. That's good for you, and that may work in one or two situations. But overall, over the course of your life, you're going to need a power outside of you because you have limited information, you have limited vision over your life, you have limited, li limited power. So you need something outside of you. So Satan is like, no, I want you to worship me. And God is like, let me tell you something, two conversations, we're about to shut it down right now. One is when Satan walks with you and he tries to tell you it's not going to work for you. You're going to be a failure. You're going to go home. Nobody's going to love you. You're going to get that degree. Nobody's going to take, nobody's going to hire you. You're going to like the girl who worked for me, who was a director for all those years. And she said, well, I guess if I left here, I could work at McDonald's. What? Do you know, do you understand your value? Do you know who you are? All she saw was McDonald's, and what did she end up doing? She ended up getting catapulted to a career in Korea. And I'm like, girl, look at who you are. God has so much more for you than McDonald's, but that's what the enemy will tell you. And if you're weak, if you're insecure, if you're not living worship, then you'll go, okay, well, I guess I'll go apply at McDonald's because, you know, nothing's working for me, or I guess I'm not going to have any other options, or I guess this is the end. And God is like, it's not the end unless you want it to be. So conversation number one, Satan tries to walk directly with you, saying, I will give you what you want if you just do this one little thing. Conversation number two, he stands in the throne with God, and he has access to, divine, to God's divine desk. And God sits at his desk, and he says, the Bible says in Revelations, he stands before God day and night accusing the brethren. Every single day, every minute, single minute, that Satan is standing before God telling him what we did wrong. And yes, it says this, but we have an advocate. So he, it's, like a, it's like the perfect court case. So Satan's on one side pointing the finger and Jesus on the other side. And he only has to say one word. What's that one word? Blood, paid, done, next. So two conversations, Satan tries to insert himself. And it's like, I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. Let's end here. And we'll pick up back up and do a part two. What does your worship look like? Let's say this last conversation, John 4, 23 through 26. This is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite passages because this woman was so raw. And it, I love it because it shows that God likes to talk to people where they are right there at the moment. John 4, and we'll just do 23 through 26. 
And I just want to set this up. Jesus is in Samaria. He's in a town where the people aren't popular. He's in a town where the Jews used to walk around this city just to avoid it, okay? So then at the, in the middle of the day, he comes to a well, and that's where everybody used It's like the grocery store. He went to Ralph's in the high point of the day when everybody was there shopping. But at a, a time is coming, he's having a conversation with this woman, and he's telling her that she, who, who he is, basically. And it says, but a time is coming, and it's already here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit, from their heart, their inner self, and in truth. For the Father seeks people to be his worshipers. God is spirit, the source of life, yet invisible to mankind. And those who worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, the anointed, when the one comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. And Jesus said to her, I who speaks to you am he, the Messiah. So this is the thing. This is a woman. She was living a raggedy life. She, was, she had so much dirt on her, meaning gossip on her, that she couldn't even come to the grocery store when everybody else was there because she knew everybody else was going to talk about her and they knew her story. So she comes and God has an encounter with her. And so Jesus, just like Satan walked up to him and was walking with him on his fast, now Jesus is sitting at the well and he starts to talk to her right in the midst of her situation. And I love it because that's what God will do. God will come to you right in the midst of your situation. So all of that, I'm going to get myself together and then come to God. No, he's just going to show up where you are. And so he's sitting there having a conversation with her. He said, look, I want to get you right, but you, you need to get yourself right. You have, you know, oh, well, my husband's not here. He's like, yeah, and the man you're living with, you're living with him. He's not your husband. You have five or four. Let's just be real. And so she goes, oh, so you think you know something? I perceive you're a prophet. The Bible says, listen to this. This is what the commentary says, that in John chapter 3, Jesus talked to Nicodemus. He came to him at night trying to figure out who he was. John chapter 4, Jesus comes to the woman at the well. He's talking to the woman at the well. It says there was four times as much dialogue when he was talking to this woman, meaning she had that much back and forth to say, talking about, oh, you trying to say this, and you trying to say that. Well, this is the thing. He was like, this woman was going to go and toe-to-toe -to -toe with him, but Jesus just stood his ground and kept talking to her. And this is what it is. God is walking with you in your life. And he's walking with you right there while you're shacked up, right while you're, while you're doing whatever. And he's like, I know who you are. I'm trying to get, this is what he said. He said, I'm looking for true worshipers. So that must mean there are people who worship me who just, yeah, I know how to do the corporate thing. He said, but I'm looking for people who want to talk to me intimately. So I came here at a time when nobody else would be here with you because they knew all your business. They were going to look down on you. But I showed up because I'm trying to have a conversation with you. And she said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the Messiah is coming, da, 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 da. She had all the information. She wasn't even Jewish. And she said, yeah, I know the Messiah is coming. And when he's come, we'll all be together with him. And da, 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 da. There are people who can spout off to you all different stuff about God. But there's no encounter. There's no, they're not living worship. So they know the basic premise. But God is like, no, remember, I want you. So he tells her, he's like, you're not looking with your eyes. You're talking about he's coming. I, that you're speaking to, I am him. And she just. You're the Messiah? Yes. And I came by here when nobody else would talk to you. I stepped into your life when you're at your lowest. You've been running through men. I came right here, and I'm having a conversation with you. That's what worship looks like. That's how real this thing is. And then she became his spokesperson. She left there, and she went out to everybody, all the people who wouldn't talk to her. She went back. Remember we talked about Jesus with the scars? 
she went back. Yeah, y'all know my life. Yep, remember me? I'm the girl who has five husbands. I'm Jennifer Lopez. I'm Elizabeth Taylor. I'm that chick. I'm the guy I'm living with now. Ain't my man. He might be tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen. See my scars? I just met the Messiah. Even in my stuff, I had an encounter with God, and he told me everything about me. But listen, he told me all my stuff. See, this is the thing. Some people know your stuff, but he told me, but he didn't tear me to pieces when he knew it. He was trying to tell me, I can lift you out of it and change you and now make you who you are called to be. So I, I, the man I'm speaking to was the Messiah. And that's when she started telling people, come see a man. What does worship look like? Because you have two choices. You can either walk with Satan, because he'll roll up on you at any given Sunday, any given Monday, any given, given Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and he'll say, you know what? I'll give you what you want. I'll make it easy for you. Walking with God is hard. You got to do this thing and that thing. You got to have people talking to you in your business, asking you where you've been, asking you. Somebody in, uh, that goes to our church, I just sent me a text with a frown face. I'm not coming. I said, listen, I said in church, I wrote, wrote them back and I said, we're not looking for seat fillers. So please be very clear. I'm looking for you to get a shift and you need a breakthrough. I'm asking you where you're coming because I want to help you get your breakthrough. So just please be clear. We don't need seat fillers. God's going to take care of the church. One day we come in as 60 people. Then we come in as five people. Then we come in as 30 people. But God said, do you want to walk with the enemy or do you want him to roll up on your life at 2 p.m. in the middle of the afternoon and have a conversation with the Messiah? You can have a conversation. He can roll up on you at any given moment. And he says, you, this is what worship looks like. You're having a conversation with the king of kings. Like, literally, anything you want, we can work it out right here. And that's why my car can be an altar. My kitchen sink can be an altar it, while I'm cooking. I used to be able to concentrate until Jake came to the house, and now he wants to eat all the vegetables. But I'm like, Jake, I'm talking to God. Shut up. So I'm just like cutting carrots like, God, I don't think this is going to happen. And this is what the, 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 Satan told me the other day. He said, give up on your book. But he didn't say it like that. He said, all my other books were so easier to do. This book is so difficult. Every time I think I'm going to get it done, it doesn't happen. They ordered the books. They didn't come. The money is all messed up. I don't understand this. I'm just going to give up because this book is driving me crazy, and I don't understand, and, and I don't know why it's always a thing. It's always a thing. Ever since I started writing this book, it's been a thing, and I'm done. The guy said, don't say it. Don't say you're done. And then I was like, that wasn't me. That was totally the enemy trying to talk to me in the eye voice. And then the Lord said, let me tell you about this book. Now, you took a walk with him. Now, take a walk with me. All the while, cleaning stuff up. All the while, putting up Grace's tools. All the while, running errands to the bank. When you live worship, what does it look like? It looks like God encounters where God steps in and says, why do you think the other three books were so easy? Why do you think this book is the hardest? Why do you think I'm challenging you now? Why do you think I had you write this book when you're in the middle of pastoring? Why do you think the church is going up one day, down the anyway? Why do you think? Why do you think these things? Let me tell you what I'm about to do for you. And I almost said I was done. But I caught myself because out of the mouth is what happens. Out of your mouth, how you speak it is how it goes. And the Bible says this, remember 
you don't, you can't, the enemy doesn't take your confidence. And I know sometimes it feels like it. He comes in and he takes your confidence. But the Bible says, don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw it away, Adam and Kate. Don't give up. You are spectacular. You guys know how talented you are? Don't throw it away. You have to know. Don't throw away your confidence. It says you will be richly rewarded. Then it says you have need of endurance so that after you have suffered, you will receive what God has promised. So if you're in the suffering phase, that means you're all almost in the breakthrough phase. And then I love what it says after this. He said, we aren't those who shrink back. We are those that press on. So God says, what do you want to be? Do you want to be a shrink backer or do you want to be a press oner? Yeah, I just made that up. Right there. And so you had to make a decision. Are you going to give up on your book today? Then I go to the conference, the first conference. I did two conferences back to back. The first conference, my sister was so into my message, she never set the books up. So when the people came to buy books, all the boxes, boxes were sitting in the hallway. And I was like, I never thought to tell her. Ashley was, we were all, your sister, my sister was like, that was so good. I'm like, yeah, but we didn't, all the books were in the, you know. So people are coming up, we're on our way to the car trying to hustle a book out the bag. And, you know, it was just a mess. And I said, what were we thinking? We weren't thinking, this is just a mess. And God said, calm down. And then, I, then it went back, the enemy says, see? Every time you deal with this book, it just never works. Here you are, and you promoted the book, and then now nobody can get the book. And he just started talking. You're a failure, aren't you? He, I mean, I'm a failure, right? I failed. Da, 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 da. And God stopped me. He said, will you just stop? Now just breathe and listen to me. He said, leave some books with the conference coordinator. Come back and get them on Tuesday. And I was like, ah. Oh. I almost fainted until you just spoke to me. And then the lady goes, oh, listen to this, watch God. I had to go back around, Rosalind and Ashley and I had to go back around to the front of the building while we're leaving books. This lady that I haven't seen in years comes up and we get to talk, reconnect, give each other our number. Then my mom is texting me going, I spoke at a conference last night and I met this lady and she's speaking at the conference you're at. You need to get her number. She needs to speak for you at a date with God. And I was like, I'm gonna miss her. Meanwhile, I'm looking in the program going, I need to meet this lady reading her bio and I was like mom I'm gonna miss her she's not speaking till three I'm leaving now I, I just hate that I, I wanted to meet her so bad I'm, but because I had to go back around and give the books then the Lord says look see I'm connecting the dots and the woman goes Pastor Teresa Pastor Teresa don't leave the lady Dr. Thompson is right here and I was like is she and the lady and the, so Dr. Thompson had gotten out the car they brought her to the church early and she stood on the sidewalk and said where is she and I came around the corner and I'm like running to her she goes baby I waited for you she said, you stay, don't run. She said, I, I, I'm going to, and I said, hey, but I'm leaving. I said, I just had to tell you, we have to connect. I'm going to find a way to get your number. She said, take, your, take my cell number right now. And she put, and I, she said, put my cell number in your purse. Phone. And I, but that's an example of that. She's texting me, getting off the airplane. I'm texting her last night. I'm like, girl, I'm not even going to wait. We ain't doing coffee. I just need you July 26th. This is 2016. This is what it is. And she's like, I'm checking my calendar. I'll get back to you. I just landed. And I'm like, I, it was a God encounter. But if I had done my thing, I would have been on the other side of the church, would have never came back around. And God is like, let me organize. I'm done. But that's just little moments of nuggets to tell you. Either walk with the enemy and have a conversation with him or walk with God, and then you will be speaking directly to the Messiah. That's worship part one. Father, in the name of Jesus, some of us are just frustrated with how life is going. And you don't want us to just sing a worship song. You want us to live a worship life. And Lord, only you can speak to the gifts and the talents in this room. This room is rich. 
this room is wealthy right now. Wealthy with ideals. Between Adam's scripts and Missy's books and my books and Zandra's wisdom and Stephanie's endurance and Natoya's gifts in psychology and Sir's multiple abilities with children and Stephanie's teaching and Sister Clara's power, all of the things. Dominique coming back from China, Kai's skill on the football field, Stevenson is just skilled in so many. Lord, there is this room is rich, rich. But who do we have to walk with to go from having an idea, having potential, to touching it, having a tangible encounter with our own gifts and our own talents? There are corporations here, Roderick's book, all types of miracles are standing right in front of us. Stephanie needs to teach other teachers about the ways that they, there is so much here, but we're living right down here having conversations with Satan. And it's time to shut the noise out and say, no, I'm not going to do it. I need to go up a higher. And the Messiah is waiting for me by the well. And he has something to tell me. He's looking for true worshipers. So Father, bless Stephen, bless, uh, 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 bless, bless everyone here, Lord. Bless us indeed and enlarge our territory so that we can see what you have planned for us, so that we can know the end from the beginning, so we can know you as the alpha, but also as the omega. Time out for being average. Average sucks. It just does. You didn't create us to be average. You want us to be above average. And so, Lord, as we close out this fast, Lord, some things only come through prayer and fasting. Some things only come when we sanctify and consecrate ourselves and set ourselves apart, Lord. And it comes through a life of worship, describing and declaring who you are, knowing it from the core of our being. Release it into us now, Lord, so that we can soar and grow. Lord, out of this group right here, out of every single person here, Lord, we could shift the galaxy. We have no idea who those children are. We have scientists in the other room. We could shift the galaxy if we wanted to. We could shift, God, if we had more conversations with the king. So bless personal worship. Bless corporate worship. May we be bold enough to ask other people to agree with us in prayer. Not pray for us, but pray with us. So as we prepare now to give an offering, and Lord, this offering will be part of our worship. As we prepare to give and to go and share with our friends and our family, Lord, be in the midst of us. And that is why we can have God encounters in the grocery store, at the gas station, and we can talk to people because God is walking with us. And when you walk with us, we encounter other people. We give them nuggets from your table. So, Lord, right now, as we lift up our worship with our offering, as we lift up our lives, Lord, take our bodies, take our money, take anything you want, because whatever you take, you multiply it back and make it better. So we release our gifts to you right now, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As you prepare to bless God, you can give on the QGive. You can give on the app. But really consider blessing him and giving in worship. Amen. Ladies, we'll be back here on Saturday with Taiji. Um, what table was she? The warrior? No, she was, Barbara was a warrior's. Taiji was transformers. That's what it is. She was a transformers and Barbara will be here in November. Barbara Willett will be here in November. She couldn't do October, so they're slowly, our coaches are coming around, so we'll have a little taste of um, a date with God. Were you blessed today? Amen, amen, amen. And 
you guys look at this is our niece